Good evening, it is Monday, April 29th, 2019, and welcome to the fifth episode of District 29's Political Action Committee podcast. This is District 29 Unpacked. I am your host, the three-eyed raven, Adam Gibson. We're coming to you live from the Grand Keep, uh, or maybe the crypt, of House OSSTF 29. Say hello to my regular co-hosts, the Theon Greyjoy to my brand start, Chris Masterson. You are not a seer. First of all, and second of all, I'm not going to die for you. You're a good man. You're a good man, Theon. And he calls himself the Canadian Ogre, is very polite, and is always holding doors open for people. So in this analogy, he could only be Hodor. Say hello to Jason Bremner. Hodor. Hodor. And what do we say to the god of public education cuts? Not today. We are well over 200 listens between the four episodes. Uh, continue to access us via the podcast app on your Apple device. Uh, email at d29pac at gmail.com. Follow the District 29 Pack Twitter account at OSSTFD. Thanks in advance to tonight's sponsors who continue to generously support our segments. Go back and listen to the late March episode and you'll hear all about the cuts, the whole cuts and nothing but the cuts. But tonight is something a little different. Uh, we are joined off the top by Kendra Kilpatrick. <laughs> from north hastings high school she teaches mathematics and kendra i want to ask you uh about a recent meeting you had so you met with local member of provincial parliament one mr daryl crap i did how did that go it was very interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I, I really am wondering how he got his job <laughs> he was elected. Uh, but by who? I don't know. Who why? would elect him? Why do you say that? Um, he really, really is disconnected from what ha is happening in the education system. Okay. Um, he was throwing a lot of numbers out. Um, I'm not sure where they came from. I haven't had a chance to cross-reference all of I them. I think maybe that was the idea. Probably. To bury you in data. And pretty, yeah, uh, yeah. You should work at the board. I know. I mean, or, or be a math teacher with all those numbers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he, yeah, he couldn't answer many questions surrounding e-learning. I don't think he understands what e-learning actually is. And I think he, he was mixing up what we call computer literacy with e-learning. And e-cigarettes maybe? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he, he said that uh, when I questioned him about the fact that in the North, um, we have very spotty internet, sure. uh, he said we'd be surprised at his new announcement that's going to come out in a couple of I have weeks. heard that he is a champion of rural internet supremacy mm -hmm. and so um, I'm not sure like how that's going to change anything because a lot of our um, residents in Bancroft live under the poverty line so it's less um, a question of access and more a question of money yeah sure. being able to afford it I mean many of our our families can't afford internet they can't afford computers they can't even drive to a public library to get um, internet service so um, he he said oh but you know like everything's online now online applications online you have to do all these certifications online and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff and when I was questioning him about the actual like students, 
doing a course on a computer, he still couldn't fathom that idea and didn't understand that there was no teacher in the room right. for those students. And he said, well, that can't be. We can't have that. Like, but we do. And your government is wanting our students. So to is it, was his vision that there is a teacher in a room monitoring 35 kids on computers? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That doesn't sound like centralized to me because I think the government clearly said e-learning was going to be centralized. But he thinks currently we have a teacher like with our e-learning kids oh. in the room. Oh, so he's totally oblivious. He doesn't Oh, understand. the current e-learning students. Yeah. Oh, you see, he's even confusing me third hand now from yeah. you to him to me. So he basically thinks e-learning is how to operate a computer and software programs and apps. Yes. Turn it on. He thinks that's e-learning. Twitter. Yes. Microsoft Word. That is the understanding. I'd like to say I'm shocked, but (laughs) I'm not sure I am. Do you have a question for Kendra? It's Kendra Kilpatrick, by the way. Yeah, I know who it is. Uh, Unlike you, who seemed to get the name wrong. What you don't know is we had to record this segment already once. (laughs) Uh, He also was speaking about how important skilled trades were and that we need to protect those. Uh, So when I asked about offsetting a class of 37 math students to the 21 maximum in a a technology course, he said, no, 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 you can't have 37 in a class. That's too many. You'll you'll see that there will be a maximum amount of students that you can have. You can't have 37 to 40 students in a class. And I said, okay, that's that's great. I I would, that's awesome. So now how are you going to get to that average of 28 to one? Right. He couldn't answer it. And furthermore, if we're, if we're going to protect skilled trades, um, but not replace the teachers who uh, teach those skilled trades when they potentially retire, as it will be the case at a variety of schools, certainly, um, when the guy who does auto retires or the guy who does woodshop retires. And uh, we can't plug, I mean, they could plug me in there, but people will be losing digits. Well, well so, Mr. Cramp like, thinks that you can just put somebody else in there to, oh, okay. to teach it. Uh, you can just bring them from somewhere else. And if that's not the case, you can just hire them. So they are or they're not? They're, they're going to be. Then does government say we're not hiring people to replace? That's what attrition is all about, right? People retire and you don't replace them. So uh, how is that possible? I don't Did he indicate? How? <laughs> nope. nope. He just said there will be new hires. You know, your answer is... Um... Your I don't know answer, I think it's just kind of emblematic of the whole thing. Like we, yeah. we have so we get together with so many questions. What about this? What about this? And everyone just kind of does a gentle yeah. uh, shoulder shrug, eye roll. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I think it's because they don't really. He's, he might be, um, he might have an honest belief in a variety of those answers. I think it's more like just an honest ignorance. They, they really don't know what's going on. Well, thank you very much. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Uh, Democracy it, it was in action. My pleasure. No, it's good that you go out and meet with them. And part of the part of our responsibility is to meet opposing arguments head on, express our frustrations, and if we don't like the arguments that we receive in return, then we beat them with better arguments. Yes, I, I did send many emails and did not get any responses really that I wanted. So that that's when I decided to set up. I'm a meeting going down with him. there. Yep. And- Face to face, and I and I did get an hour with him, so well, that's it can happen. an hour for an individual constituent. Like, yep, I would encourage all our all our members, all the listeners, to to try the same thing, to try to get a meeting with their MPP to express their concerns, and uh, you know, obviously in a in a well spoken, professional, considerate manner. But um, I think I think the MPPs need to hear directly from us. 
All right. Well, thank you very much, Kendra. Uh, so tonight, um, if you stay with us through the remainder of the program, we'll be joined by a host of guests, local Hastings Prince Edward and District School Board trustees, Kristen Parks and Allison Kelly are here to share their perspective on the proposed changes. Uh, Jason will offer his words of wisdom in a deep baritone at the end. And local outdoorsman Greg Stevens will stop at the end to tell us what's new in teaching geography. Today's podcast is brought to you by The Snitch Line. Does a conversation with your child's teacher seem inconvenient or too easy? With a simple visit to ForTheParents.ca, parents can have rebel educators publicly shamed, placed on administrative leave, or drawn and quartered. Calls go directly to Premier Doug Ford's personal cell phone, where they join a host of incriminating evidence, including the ghost of deals past. Never fear a report card, open-minded classroom, or professional opinion again. With the stitch line, we all get stitches. Okay, we are here with uh, Allison Kelly and Kristen Parks, both um, rookie trustees with the Hastings Prince Edward District we are, School yes. Board. True Thank you very much for being here, ladies. And uh, we had just a handful of questions we wanted to run through uh, to get the perspective of the trustees on the proposed cuts and changes in general, which have uh, been suggested by the ministry and which may be coming down the pipeline for next year. So I'm curious off the top, what information have you as trustees received from the ministry regarding funding for next year? So we haven't received any more that you have probably seen. Okay. Um, the ministry sends her memos to the director. She sends them to us and all those memos that you've seen, we, this is what we have, <clears throat> excuse me, got. Um, last Friday, the grants for student needs was released. Okay. So we got that. Um, and that just gave us an overview, like a summary of the funding. So we're still okay. waiting for the technical. Yeah, we paper. had our first um, public budget meeting uh, last week. And we were just told, you know, they're not here yet. And then, of course, a couple of days later, the the, the uh, reports came out. Okay. We are meeting again, I believe, the 27th of May. And that'll be the next time that we then have further conversations. Now, that said, it's possible we'll get more information before that. But at this time, yeah, we have... We know what you know. Yeah, so more or less what's been publicly reported Correct. Is, yeah. What's, yeah. is what's known to you guys. Okay. Um, so based on what you've seen so far, both um, from those reports in the news in general, um, do you have a perspective as a trustee? Do you have perspective as trustees on the proposed cuts, opinions, positions? Try well, carefully. No, no, I am. So, <laughs> I, you know, for me, it's really – wanting to understand how the funding model is dictated to us through the ministry, really trying to understand, like we hear about envelopes and envelopes within envelopes, right? Of how here's how, here's money for this particular thing. Here's how you spend it. You can't cross over right. into other areas. Um, until I get my head really wrapped around what that looks like. Um, you know, I know Chris was razzing me on Twitter I made a comment about, um, you know, if you're going to cut, just be honest about why you're cutting. And Chris sure. was like, there should be no cuts for revenue. <laughs> and I agree. I 100% agree. I, you know, I was a business person too. You don't cut, like you spend money to make money. Like that's how this works. Yeah. And I think the whole idea of, of cutting, again, this, a lot of this is just my personal feeling and being in, in a community of people living in poverty is when you're. At, like, for example, I know we're going to talk about the e-learning briefly. When you're at it, when you're forcing students to take e-learning courses, when 
I think it's like 20 or even more percent of my community, I'm in the county, don't, doesn't have the internet, <laughs> right? Or even as an adult, e-learning can be challenging for myself, for right? For so, students, e-learning is sometimes challenging. So for me, um, if we're, if we're going to cut, I want to know what we're cutting and what other things are, you know, like, I need to be informed before we so do this. It sounds so, yeah. to me like it's still unclear to you um, what your, like, powers and responsibilities are as a trustee once the cuts, what you can control or what you can't control. That's not clear to you yet. Well, we don't know what's going to happen yet. Right, so right. until we get the technical paper, until staff has reviewed it and told us how it's going to kind of work out for yeah. us. Um, then we come in and look at that. And that's like mm -hmm. in, in talking to people and federation and the board and, and in the, um, I don't know, community of teaching writ large, that seems like a common theme. Like we know there's something, but no one knows details. Right. And honestly, Correct. my best guess is that the Ministry of Education does not know details. Right. They have kind of big, broad statements of things they're going to do. And then they get into the details and take a big gulp. Well, and go like, uh. possibly, um, <laughs> I know, um, I know I've heard Pascal Charles, um, Dr. Chet about that speak. Okay. And he is an expert in education. I know he said he was never consulted on anything nor some of his peers. Right. So I think it is interesting. And yeah, we don't know what we don't know yet. Right. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Trying to understand. So then it might make the next question a little move, but what I had laid out was how as trustees, can you ensure that the limited funds that are dedicated um, to us will be there to support student learning. That is, do you have review, input, consultation uh, on the budget and the way it's delivered? So we do. So the staff will bring a report back to us okay. um, and we do have to sign off on all of that. Um, again, we don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, what's going to happen, but we know that we want to maintain a student focus. Okay. Um, we want to focus on special education. So we want to keep staff in schools. If that's where the focus needs to Correct. be, I think. Okay. So, um, and also focusing on student mental health, but also the mental health of the staff in the schools, making sure they have the supports they need. So we don't know what's going to happen, but we know that we need to make sure we have enough staff in those schools. Well, that's great. Those priorities sound really good. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you now about the community uh, in larger focus. What response have you guys heard from your constituents regarding the proposed cuts? I have uh, received zero emails. Really? From any of my um, constituents. Um, yeah. Are there public like, yeah. conversations <laughs> stopping you on the well, street? Are they contacting you on social media? Anything? Well, not, well, a little bit on social media. Most people who are reaching out to me are educators. Okay. They are the frontline workers. They are the QP members. They are the EAs, the, you know, the, the bus drivers. These are the people who are talking and these, but these are people I already know. Yeah. So they're already part of my, my network, my, my community. But I, you know, outside of that, I haven't, I, I don't know, Kristen, if you've heard anything. Um, I've heard from some students and I do have, I have a daughter that's a teenager and her okay. friends went on that walkout and being a trustee, I was like, well, you know, la la la. <laughs> I'm going to Toronto. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so she, um, they did that. The students know about it. The students are worried that they made signs during class and they're worried that they're going to lose out on special programs. Right. They're worried they're not going to have opportunities that they should have. Sure. And I'm hearing from staff too, but what I'm learning from staff, I mean, obviously some are worried about their job security, mm -hmm. but mostly I'm hearing that they're worried about the students. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah, that sure, students yeah. aren't going to have the supports in the schools. Yeah. And you have your first, you're going to the town hall soon? I am. In yeah, Wellington. we're leaving in Wellington. Yeah. And I Person. believe uh, okay. Trusty Parks is coming as well. We're, we're a package team. <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> so you might... But, uh, you know, pending that tonight, Absolutely. there might be some, a lot of feedback coming from your constituents. I, I expected, um, you know, and, and that said, I, I do work in a very, um, I work in the radio industry. So people right. are always ta uh, talking and I work with, ed there's a lot of educators who work, <laughs> believe it or not, they work at the radio station That's now, some of them with the board. So they have a lot to say again, but they're coming from the education standpoint. Okay. But I, I'm very interested to hear because, um, as you know, we lost, we closed uh, two schools in the county. Yep. Um, five, I believe, was it five were up on the block at one point. So it's, it's a very sensitive issue in our community. Um, and the whole being rural, being, you know, we have a high poverty rate, high teen pregnancy, mental health statistics in our community. It's a big deal. And, but what's amazing is so many, so many in our community want to come together. They want to know what can we do to support our, our, our students. So people are hungry and anxious to, to step up and support what our teachers and educators and, you know, everyone in our school to staff are doing. Well, that's good. That is mm -hmm. positive. So on that note, what efforts do you think that um, both members of OSSTF and citizens who are not uh, should make to push back uh, against the cuts or to push for the changes that they should see. Um, use their voices. Okay. Um, I think OSSTF um, needs to keep doing what they're doing mm -hmm. now. Okay. I think they're doing well. I think they're getting the message out there. Um, the rallies have been well attended. I would say keep um, keep the public informed so that the citizens know what's going on so they will use their voices because they don't see what all of us see. It'll be very easy for a big splashy cut to make news and then just kind of simmer into the background and get buried another right. mm -hmm. another mean now. tweet yes. or some, some other foolish Yeah, thing. and you know, I know, um, you know, emailing your MPPs, emailing your trustees, coming to the public meeting. We have yep. a budget meeting. I, I think it's May 27th. Yes. I can't totally see it. Public, yeah. right? It's public, right? It's public. Show around. up. Okay. You know, and, and beforehand, the agendas are, our public agendas are released on the website a couple of days beforehand. Look at the agenda. If you have questions, if you want us to ask something, email us and say, hey, what does this mean? And we'll bring those to the table so they get on the table. They okay, get good. talked about and they get in the, the minutes so that then those can be shared and be there. Can we know right now that how can people contact uh, either of you? Um, I can be reached at A. Kelly. Yes. At hpedsb.on.ca. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen? And uh, my email address is kmparks at hpes. HP. <laughs> right. I've been saying it for 10 years. It's always yes. wonderful. <laughs> yes. Okay, so those are like your official yes. boards, yes. just the emails, and people can write you there. Yeah, questions. and if you go to the, um, the, the school board website and you go through the trustees, there's all the trustee information. Is there okay. every email, every school that they represent, um, phone numbers? There, you know, and the thing I'm finding too is, um, yeah, you know, the senior staff is very responsive. They really are. And I know when I was a parent, they were very quick at responding to my questions and needs. So sure. don't hold back. Quest ask questions. Yeah, I mean, right? that's the way that democracy should work. Absolutely. Right? People elect you to represent them yep. and then should have access to their representatives. Absolutely. Okay. I yeah. think I know the answer to this question already, but uh, what the hell, let's ask it. Have trustees received any information from the ministry regarding the cell phone ban or e-learning? What do you know? I have not seen or heard anything no. about it. Anything. Have you heard anything you want to <laughs> no, share with I, us? No, that's why I asked you. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
who has the answer? No, I, I have not seen anything that has come across. Okay. Well, I'm sure that is being studiously manicured by a team of experts, and we will soon know. Exactly we will soon know, <laughs> yes. And when, when we know, you will know. Okay. I don't want to keep you any longer because I know you got to head to a town hall, but thank you very much, Allison Kelly and Kristen Parks. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsors. Now playing everywhere in Ontario. The spine-chilling tale of the descent into madness when rules go out the window and the human soul grows dark. Ford of the lies. He didn't have a mandate for all this. When will it stop? It won't. Ford of the lies. Sharpen a stick at both ends. It's time. Ford of the lies. And sucks to your asthma. All right, we are here with uh, the Aria Stark of OSSTF District 20. <laughs> Do you get that reference? Never, never, and I look forward to uh, what you're going to call me each time I come on to the show. <laughs> the man who will slay the Night King, shutting all the shutting all the eyes of the blue-eyed people. It's Scott Marshall is uh, here at District 29, and I just want to run through a few questions to get an update because it has been a busy month. I yep. bet you have been a busy man. Everybody's in, been busy, in April. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, I want to hit on some of the rallies because we haven't talked uh, on the pod since the Queen's Park rally. Uh, nor uh, the local ones, including the one at Todd Smith's on Friday. So how's your feeling leaving those rallies? Uh, they're effective, the turnout, any and everything. What can you tell us? Yeah, leaving the rallies, uh, I'm energized. The, the membership is completely engaged, and that's because they know uh, what these cuts are going to look like when they're fully implemented. So they want to they wanna do everything they can to push back against these cuts and try to make change. Did we get a response from Todd Smith following Friday's rally? Is that a we didn't, question? A response. I think he saw everyone out there and he saw the numbers. Oh, was he in the office at the time? I, I believe so. Oh, people said, I, I, I didn't see him, but people said that they uh, did see him through the window. Uh, I didn't see it myself to, to verify. Peering behind a slightly opened curtain and then closing the curtain. Re regardless, whoever was there, the message was sent loud and clear. The, 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 the weather was the, really good. The weather was absolutely miserable again, just just brutal. And it didn't turn anybody away. The numbers were fantastic. So I think and, it sent a message thought, loud and clear. I thought they were up from the first one. Yeah, I agree. There were traffic jams on Friday trying to close the loop. We would walk a bit and then have to stop and walk a bit and have to stop. And we didn't have to do that. No, so no. And there's... Numbers that big, I think there's some technique now to keep it moving. And, uh, it, held up, it got held up a couple of times. We'll get better at it. Um, was there anything from a provincial following the Queen's Park rally? Um, anything from the ministry? Anything from provincial executive? Uh, some feedback following it? Well, from the ministry, we continue to get uh, just mistruths at smoke and mirrors. That's what we're getting from the ministry. That hasn't changed. Provincially, the, the numbers at that rally sent a message. The government's strategy appears to be to try to pin all this on union leaders. Thugs but like you. You got it. But it, it's hard to do when there's so many people engaged in this issue because there's no way that union leaders could draw a crowd that large unless there's an issue that resonates with the broader community. And that's exactly what's taking place. And yeah, that turnout at, at Queen's Park on that day 
was um, fantastic from the point of view of uh, uh, seeing how many people are prepared to step up and defend public education. I think we actually have a comment here from Lisa Thompson in the Ministry of Ed. They have nice long ears. Again, I mean, just more nonsense. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. Okay. You've been holding a lot of town halls locally. Um, how have they gone? They're, they're going very well. And the, the reason we've decided to do these is that we believe there's a message that needs to be heard. So we uh, are going straight to the communities. We've got numbers um, based upon the government's announcement that reflect the actual changes we'll see here. So we present the number of students that are registered. And then what the government change in generating teachers, the change from 22 yep. to 1 to 28 to 1 will mean. What that will mean as far as a loss of the number of classes goes when those teachers go, as well as a discussion about e-learning and the problems that we're going to see with the that program as well. Have you, I'm curious at your town halls, have you seen, because I was at the one in Belleville, I didn't see many um, people offering arguments in opposition to some of the federation positions. Have you seen anybody speaking up in favor of the proposed changes? No, we haven't. And, and we're not afraid of that at all because we yeah. believe we've got solid answers to all of that. Most of the, uh, the other side, I guess, is rooted in the mistruths that the government's been spinning out there. So we welcome that. We've been advertising publicly in the newspapers. The door's wide open for anybody to come in. So certainly we're not filtering the crowd coming through. It'd be great to take the message to those folks as well, because I think yeah. when they see the numbers, it will concern them as well. I mean, the way that you're going to beat a bad argument is with a better argument. Yes. And so when sure. they show up with their evidence that maybe isn't that strong and we have better stuff, then we beat it. And that's how you win hearts and minds. So yeah. to speak. I was actually yeah. kind of disappointed at the Belleville one. I was hoping someone would stand <laughs> up uh, and try to offer something in opposition so that you have an opportunity for a healthy democratic debate to say, no, I don't think so. But, you know, you've got one in Wellington tonight. Do you have others afterwards? You have Trenton coming still, right? Yeah, Trenton is tomorrow night, 7 okay. o'clock at the Trenton Curling Club. And we're going at the Bancroft next week. That's May 7th at Club 580 at 7 o'clock. So we okay. look forward to uh, moving into Daryl Cramps riding because all of the town halls that we've had so far have been in uh, Todd Smith's right. writing down here. Yeah. And you know, at these town halls, the one thing that um, I notice is when we finish, there's an appetite for everyone to do something to do a lot because they ask us, what can we do? Yeah. And it almost seems like they, they want to do more than what's being offered, I suppose, at, at this point in time. So there's a real appetite for people to be engaged in, and to be doing stuff. Christopher, you have something to say? Yeah. I just wanted to know um, when you're at these town halls, do you hear? Uh, uh, more concern over one particular area than the other? Like, is e-learning a more prominent discussion or is it simply the class size changes? What What's kind of drawing the most attention from the public at these meetings? I, I think the response is the government's agenda is exposed and then there's this recognition of what it's going to mean for the students in the schools. For example, we're not talking about six more students in the classes. Yeah. We're talking about pulling a really, really large number of teachers out of the building. And with that go the, the programs that they're teaching, the specialist qualification, the eyes on safety supervision, but also the loss of support staff that are there as well because funding's being cut there too. And those positions are very vulnerable and it's a full service team that supports the students. And then the e-learning, there's so many problems with that. It, it's not a proposal Huge. that can be fixed, by the way. They need to scrap it entirely. Doesn't need just... Doesn't, they don't just need to 
tinker, shave a little off the side. No, <laughs> no, no. It, 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 you know, and we, we try to be factual in what we're doing and not wander too much into what it may be. But at the Belleville meeting, we did say, listen, it, it looks a lot like this is a setup for the start of privatization into the public yeah. education system because really that's what that does look like. And when we did mention that, you could really see uh, eyes open and concern because education, public education is something that I think is important to everybody. Okay, you talked just a minute ago about uh, numbers, adults in the building, staffing, et cetera. I want to take you back now to uh, April 17th and April 18th. Um, joint staffing met uh, with the board. Am I right in saying that? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, can you talk about what the board's initial suggestion was and what our response was and, and then the effects of it? Sure. So this is our initial staffing meeting, and you've seen uh, on social media especially, but in uh, mass media too, a lot of stories about teacher layoffs. Yeah. So those a lot of boards have had their meetings before ours. So we we're uh, going into this meeting um, waiting to see where our employer was going to go. So our uh, full-time number of teachers on paper this current year, 1819, is 330. So we went into this meeting and the number of students in the system was set to decline by about 100. So pretty close to where we were this year. And they came in prepared to pink slip about 23 full time teaching positions. And that and that number. Yeah, that that number included the board accessing what's called this attrition offset funding, which the government is providing to school boards to apparently prevent layoffs. So that was the that was the number in the initial joint staffing committee meeting. And that was before there were some additional central coordinator type positions. I think there were five or six yeah. that have since moved back to the schools. So what, we would have been over about 25 probably. What was our response? We have contract language that says the schools shall be staffed using a generator of 22 to 1. We pointed that out and then there was a caucus and we reconvened the next day and our employer decided that, yes, that uh, is the language and we'll respect that language. Good. So the staffing numbers uh, moved back up, not as high as they would have been entirely because the government hasn't continued some of the additional funding that existed right. in the extension agreements. Yeah. But we did get to that uh, staffing level that was higher with the 22 to 1. However, the school boards aren't funded for those staffing levels. So they're being underfunded for the staffing then that right now we have a commitment to go forward with for the next school year. So our, our, pardon me, our local language was able to protect um, a good chunk of jobs, but the overall message still is that there's going to be a significant shortfall for our board and it's funding. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, Do you have a number, do you have a guess like how short they'd be? It'd be maybe, well, I don't know, probably a couple million dollars, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a that's a real loose guess, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but um, imagine negotiations when they start. Sure. An employer's in a spot where they know they're not funded to support your language there. Yeah. So it's really setting us up for failure. And both both parties, parties, right? Well. Like, where, where are they going to move? You got it, yeah. And where are we going to move? Yeah. And here we are just sitting here staring at each other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the bottom line is that still down the road, if not immediately, it's still at some point you're going to get to that 28 to 1 number as long as the ministry keeps going with the direction they're going in. So it is, you know, locally it's right now going to be 22 to 1 for next year, but eventually that's still coming. Good yeah, that, Cielo, it's not until after the next election. That's, no. that's, a, that's a significant point, Chris, because... Listen, job security is very, very important to anybody in any occupation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But we can't 
leave this discussion entirely around whether someone is laid off yeah. or not. Yeah, yeah. We have to look at the number mm-hmm. of adults that are being removed from the schools and the changes to the way students are going to learn, so i.e. e-learning, and what their high school experience will look like when all of this is fully implemented four years from now. Because I've, I've been saying since the start, it's going to turn the education, the high school education experience upside down. And I haven't changed my mind at all that the, the students are going to have far fewer choices. They're going to be uh, fewer students graduating because it's going to be harder to accumulate those credits. And it's going to be much, much harder to meet the needs of all the students. So student success is really, really, really going to be compromised. Let me offer an example, a very personal one, just before we sign off. Right now um, at Bayside, there's about 120 kids signed up for law uh, next year. And that would be probably about five sections. I've got a lot of the law program. I think I would have been in that 23 that went if we didn't have that language. So we're looking at about five sections of law. Now, there are other people in in the school who have taught it before, but to take um, if I were gone, then that would mean someone else would have to fully assume that role or, and they're leaving something else behind if they're taking on the role that I had, or those 120 kids and a law program are kaput, right? And so there's 120 kids, um, you know, one sixth of the school, something like that. I, I think programs way. like law would be cut out. I don't think you're going to see them four years from now. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news is. We had some local collective bargaining language that protected us a little bit for a year anyway. Okay, we got to get you to Wellington. Thank you very much, Scott. We'll be back right after this message from our local sponsors. Go! Today's podcast is brought to you by the new standardized math test for teachers. What better way to understand your students and the rigors of EQAO than to dive into your own bubble sheet and long responses? Code 20, bitch please. Join the fraternity of Sigma Delta Pi and head back to school because there's no better way to prep for that for you English class than with the review of permutations and factorials. Dust off your slide rulers, trick tables, and abacuses as calculus for teachers pushes you to your limits. Question one asks, what's the expected value of total votes for a premier with a favorability rating of minus 51%? <laughs> Calls have been made, and we must answer them. The lines have been drawn, and we'll stand to them. While the scope of the madness might seem almost beyond reasoning, we must not retreat because the prospect of dealing with the problem seems too large or too vast. We watch healthcare and public health and the arts and any number of other public services set alight in some medieval inquisition for efficiency, and we see it for what it really is the vanguard of the forces of privatization on the grandest, harshest scale that any provincial government has ever thrown out there. It's not what's best for everyone. It is not government for the people. Those that support it by saying things like, well, we have to get out of debt. Well, I'm sorry, but your take is oversimplified. Public debt does get paid. But you don't cut all your revenue streams either and seek to make them up in cuts. That's like turning off the water in your house and when it's on fire and then saying, hey, well, I guess we have to sacrifice the kitchen and the bedrooms because there isn't enough water to put the fire out. Look to your own MPPs. Todd Smith in this writing, Daryl Cramp next door. You have sat by and said nothing about this. You've laughed and supported cuts to public services. You have not said one word to protect public education. Healthcare, 
public health, children with special needs, the loss of money for rape crisis centers, or any one of a hundred or more other things that have just started to vanish along the way. Your responsibility is to speak for the people of your riding. You have been silent. We will all remember this, and the clock is ticking on the next election, and I've never seen so many people so eager to vote as they are right now. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Ford government's ban on previously banned items. With expanded bans, our classrooms will remain as safe as they always were. Former GOAT co-op supervisor and education minister Lisa Thompson has extended her optional ban on cell phones to a variety of already banned items. Goodbye to prohibited firearms during recess. Please deposit your intercontinental ballistic missiles at the silo located at the front door. And if you're bringing brass knuckles to class, will it better be for show and tell, mister? Luckily for us, these weapon bans remain at the discretion of our law-abiding teachers. Minister Thompson, banning things that are already banned since 2019. All right, thank you to listening in on episode five. Our apologies to Greg Stevens. We had to bump him for time, but we'll make sure we get to him on our very next episode. A reminder for those people in the north that May 7th is your town hall in Bancroft at Club 580. Check it out and bring some members of the community so they can get the lowdown on uh, what the cuts mean for uh, for Bancroft and uh, the board as a whole. Indeed. Uh, a reminder to follow us on Twitter at OSSTFD and that you can always email us at d29pac at gmail.com with your feedback. Thanks again for listening. You will hear from us again in late May after the Victoria Day long weekend. So happy May 2-4 to everyone out there. Um, get your board shorts ready. Get the dock in at the uh, cottage. And uh, we'll see you when it's just a little more sunny. Bye for now.